0: are listening to Workers' Power with Jackson, Calypso and Dan on 4 Z. Today on the show, uh, we have plenty of workers' action and we will be talking to Marge Pistorius, who is an organiser with the Disrupt Land Forces Group, who we've been talking about their upcoming event uh, on the past few shows. Uh, and now we're going to get more in-depth with it. And of course, at the end of the show, we'll have our world-famous Scallywag of the Week. But before we begin, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. We also acknowledge all First Nations comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparations, and land rights. We live in and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. So, now we're going to get started with some first nations workers action anyone want to take it
1: yeah of course so we've got this story outrage and protest as youth imprisonment laws passed northern territory parliament a coalition of aboriginal organizations have condemned the changes to the bali act um the bail Act that was rushed through on urgency in the northern territory parliament Only one member, independent for Arnhem Land and Yolngu man Yingia Guyula, voted against the laws on Tuesday night. The changes were touted by the Michael Gunner Labour government as having the toughest ever consequences for young people and have been widely criticised as going against the recommendations made by the Royal Commission into the protection and detention of children in the Northern Territory. The bail laws will remove the presumption of bail for first-time offenders, increase use of electronic monitoring devices, allow breath testing on a minor without an adult present and introduce mandatory detention for any breaches of bail conditions. A last-minute amendment to the bill will permit an allowance for bail to be reinstated if exceptional circumstances can be proven. A silent demonstration by Aboriginal protesters in the Northern Territory Parliament House Gallery reportedly led to four people being removed and charged with two offences, as well as a 12-month ban from the grounds. The reforms passed with a bipartisan support as the policy approach seemingly mirrored the Northern Territory opposition's tough-on-crime rhetoric. It has created division in the party, with the Northern Territory's own Indigenous Labor Network condemning the proposed legislation and staging a protest last week. Northern Territory Labor Senator Melan Deary McCarthy also expressed her disappointment and told NITV's The Point, that she did not believe the reforms would reduce the high rates of incarceration or recidivism. I think we have to call it for what it is. This is a political solution to a political problem. What I would like to see is genuine, sincere solution to what is a troubling problem of social affairs across not only the Northern Territory, but our young families and First Nation families across the country. There does not need to be a sincere focus on all of those groups who support and try and work diligently. There does need. There does need. Yes there does need to be a sincere focus on all of those work groups who support and tried and work diligently. Let's focus on the strength of that and not on the politics of working out who's tougher on crime, Senator McCarthy said. Northern Territory data shows on any given day last month, Aboriginal children made up more than 90% of young people in detention. In an address to federal parliament last night, Gunai Kunai and Gun. Jitamara woman and Green Senator Lydia Thorpe was more scathing in her response to the laws this is a direct contradiction of the Northern Territory Royal Commission recommendations in fact this this is really what is the 21st century sophistication of genocide in this country Senator Thorpe said that's what it is it's today's genocide couldn't wipe us out so lock us up Labor territory government's oppressive and I would say racist knee-jerked actions will see more of our kids and babies sucked into the colonial criminal system, Senator Thorpe said. Health, community and legal groups have had their calls collectively ignored as the changes are set to become law by the end of the week. An open letter to the Northern Territory Government to stop the laws was signed by organisations including the Australian Medical Association, Central Australian Aboriginal Congress, Aboriginal Corporation and the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. All 14 of Australia and New Zealand's children commissioners and guardians united in opposing the regressive youth justice reforms. While being rushed through Parliament on urgency, local and national Aboriginal health organisations made clear there was no opportunity for consultation. Chief Executive Officer Aboriginal Medical Services Alliance Northern Territory, John Patterson, said the crackdown approach will only further disadvantage our communities. There is a mountain of evidence from health services that can demonstrate and prove that the majority of these kids that are coming into contact with the law do have mental health issues, trauma stress issues, so the top-down punitive correction approach is not the way to deal with it, Mr Patterson said. We need to ensure our service providers that we provide the wraparound programs and support the youth that are desperately needing and wanting.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, we reported on this a little while ago when the bill was first proposed, uh, and unfortunately it has gone through, and it is pretty awful the way they're cho- choosing to deal with youth crime like, you know, youth crime itself is a... It's, a, like, locking up children.
1: I think Senator Thorpe said it best. It's just modern genocide.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the locking up children. and Like, it makes no sense at all. Like, what it, does that do to a kid's
2: self-esteem?
0: Yeah. The um,
2: solution to crime isn't, isn't so much punitive measures. The solution to crime is, well, social.
0: Yeah, you've got to find the source of the crime. Like, in most cases, in pretty much the case of every crime, except for, like, very few of them, it is the fact that people don't have what they need to live. They don't have the food or the housing or stuff like that. Um,
1: And these children. So they must be pretty vulnerable and pretty desperate.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, And, like, in situations like this, uh, they've, instead of choosing to actually fight fight the source of the problem, they are, uh, because the, the children in most cases are black, they're choosing to lock them up instead, just because
2: Jail's a big business. Yeah. They make a lot of money through the system.
0: Yeah, that's another thing too. The they know prisons.
1: it's going to do nothing to help the problem. They know it's going to do nothing to help these kids. They just don't care
2: it's easy political points if you want to win votes doesn't matter whether you're labor or liberal crime crime let's put the people in jail that's always their answer okay.
0: uh, yeah the law and order thing <laughs> is always a very um big uh winner in politics and that's why we, they had the quote earlier it's a political su- pol- su- yeah. solution to a political problem instead of an actual solution um yeah And we are going to talk right now about Agitate, Educate, Organise, our section where we talk about what we've been doing, and Eclipse will be taking on the...
1: Absolutely. So, Agitate, Educate, Organise. Recently, we've had the Palestinian rally last Friday. Um, It was a really good rally. There was a good turnout, and it was definitely one of the most loud rallies I've been to recently uh lots of lots of chanting lots of participation it's it's really lovely to see everyone come together and participate like that uh because it's a real important issue the situation is quite dire in Palestine at the moment with Israel invading their homes lands so there was a lot of speakers and I think my personal favorite speaker was the CEO of the Islamic College of Brisbane. He uh had a really powerful speech talking about the issue and how it's it's um quite pointing out the hypocrisy of the Israeli state attacking Palestine. Um it's quite hypocritical um if If they're following their uh th- the actual ju Jude- the torah that one mm. um it says that if someone's homeless, you give them a home if if they're hungry, you give them food um, but these Palestinian people are being driven out of their homes they're being displaced um, and they're being murdered
0: Hmm. Yeah, I guess it goes to show that um, Israel isn't a Jewish state, but an ethno state.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I thought it was a really good speech that highlighted and separated the the difference between anti-Semitism and just literally, please don't wipe us out. Mm. Um, So we've got another rally coming up for the Palestinian uh, Free Palestine cause and that's coming up on the 22nd uh at 10 a.m
0: it's next saturday
1: next saturday so hopefully we'll see everyone there
0: that is a pretty big thing it's it's in all the news stories and we've got a thing coming up which puts a bit of a different uh, spin on the story than what you might have been hearing in the news wait around if you want to listen to our international workers action later on but before then there is something else that has happened that we've been talking about a lot recently is the tenants union meeting which happened last Saturday. Yeah, how did that go?
1: Oh yeah, okay, so that was quite fantastic. We had a really good turnout and a lot of A lot of discussion a lot of people have lots of ideas for how we're going to do this new tenants union in Queensland but we're gonna have a a follow-up meeting to really discuss what shape it's gonna take but we've got a really diverse group of people um, renters and supporters Andrew Bartlett was there he had a lot to say he was on the previous tenants union in Queensland so he's got experience of what went wrong with that union and why we need a new one Um, and the the big takeaway from that meeting was that we really need to have people power as the focus. We don't want to have a politician as the champion for trying yeah. to promise promise us proper housing because they can they can use that as an election promise to, to win an election and, and then not nothing. deliver it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we we wanna focus on the people power so even even if uh, politicians wanna get involved, sure they can, but they're not gonna be the centre of it, the centre has to be us, we've got to put the pressure on for tenants' rights so that that can't ever be taken away from us if the people win it in the first place, not some government body, it can't be removed when convenient Yeah, because they will will give you those rights and then they will remove them in the next available opportunity, we've got to keep the pressure on.
0: Yeah and that's something that's like very prevalent in anarchist theory and stuff but it's we hear it um, re uh, restated here in, like, the actual experience of the old tenants' union in Queensland. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> anything else to say?
1: Uh, well, I was wondering, Dan, if you've got any updates from Deebing Creek. Uh,
2: Deebing, yeah, there's a few. Uh, there's uh, Corroboree, Healing Corroboree coming up on Saturday evening and on sunday there is a uh, truth and healing circle which yeah it's quite a cool little process i uh yeah that's a bit all i have on that at the moment so it's a big weekend out there this weekend so awesome, go out there
0: mm. cool uh and
1: We've also got that land expert coming up very soon.
0: Yes, of course, which we'll be talking about later. So in the show.
1: Um, that was something that was mentioned at the Palestinian rally as well. That some of the the weapons that will be shown off uh, in our city right here very soon are the same weapons that are sold to the Israel State to uh, you know continue their ethnic cleansing and colonization of Palestine. Mm.
0: Now we are going to move on to some workers' action, and we've got one from the CFMEU. So,
2: so Grand Designs are fined $175,000 over the death of teenager Mitchell Birkin at Yalu Construction Site. Mitchell Birkin died when a concrete panel fell on him. A building company had been fined $175,000 over the death of the teenage worker, crushed by a a falling one-ton concrete panel at a construction site in the state's southwest in 2017. Mitchell Birkin, 19, was working for Grand Designs WA, helping to rebuild a house lost in the devastating Yalu bushfire when a panel fell on him, causing catastrophic injuries. Magistrate Belinda Coleman said the original fines totaled $230,000 before she discounted the amount due to mitigating circumstances. How is this justice? The union gets gets a fine for $1.1 million for having a half day of protest that kills no one, and the company that kills a teenager gets less than 200 grand.
0: Yeah, this is pretty disgusting. Like they
1: find the union more than they find the company that killed this person.
0: Yeah, like protest is more criminalized in this country than actual murder. Yeah. Um, and before you go cancelling the ABC, this is grand without a D. <laughs> grand designs, not grand designs. Um, yeah. Anyway, this uh, is typical, I guess. The bosses get away with murder while uh, any sort of attempt to fight back gets shut down and pushed into the ground.
1: And the union gets fined for just wanting to improve their conditions and maybe avoid another person getting crushed by a concrete slab.
0: Mm. Safety. Yeah, uh, Pretty disgusting but uh, this also highlights the importance of the union. If we want to Uh, stop deaths and make the bosses pay for the deaths that they cause, uh, then you need to be able to have some power to fight back against them. They should join your union. Uh, And um, there's also, if you get a health and safety officer in your workplace, um, it's, like, state-backed basically so you uh, have the state-backed power to shut down the workplace if there's anything dangerous going on Um, so that's always good to know about always get uh, your work and health health and safety officer at your workplace no matter what job you've got because it's always important
1: It can save lives
0: yeah Um, cool so now we are going to move on to our next story from Musicians Australia Musicians Australia have received dozens of reports of dodgy venues and agents offering free gigs even when they are getting publicly funded live music grants. During 2020, state and federal governments launched a program designed to assist in the national recovery of the live music sector from the impacts of COVID-19. Governments stepped in with industry grants to combat the COVID crisis and bring gigs back. However. Because there are no rules for how much of this money needs to go to musicians, hundreds of millions of dollars are being funneled into venues and bypassing musicians. Without a minimum guarantee, musicians will miss out on a fair portion of these subsidies. We need to lift the floor and demand that musicians get a fair cut of this. A minimum fee is a recommended minimum. A fee floor for any musician playing anywhere for any audience. This fee is based on industrial awards and agreements such as a live performance award where musicians are required to be paid between $150 to $200 for a three hour call and an additional 50 to $100 in allowances. More importantly 98.4% of musicians have voted in favour of a minimum performance fee of $250 that is $250 per muso per gig. Musicians Australia members are standing together to demand a fair minimum fee for all gigs supported with public funding. All musicians should join now to demand a fair fee. So you can go to the MEAA to sign up and join this this campaign in order to actually get paid for your work, which is one of the (laughs) basic rights uh, that the labour movement has fought for over its history now we're going to move do our last piece of workers action and we've got uh, nurses reject 1.04 percent pay offer and this article is from kerry smith on from green left weekly do you want to read it out
1: yeah of course so we talked about this a little bit last week as well so here's the uh, update Mental health nurses from Belmont, John Hunter, Morissette, Maitland and the Waratah Mental Health Branch rallied on May 12 International Nurses Day outside their hospitals. They were rejecting the New South Wales government's latest insulting pay rise offer, 1.04% over 2021 and 2022. It's refusal to agree to better staff to patient ratios and appropriate COVID-19 conditions. The New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association pointed to new research which showed better patient outcomes in hospitals with better patient ratios. The New South Wales government must stop relying on nurses' goodwill to stay at the bedside. They deserve to be valued with shift-by-shift ratios and fair pay, Brett Holmes said. Prince of Wales Hospital Mental Health Branch Secretary Skye Romer said after being on the front line during the pandemic, the urgent need for ratios was crystal clear. Our workloads are not sustainable, we're tired, we're burning out and we feel unsupported at work, she said. We've been seeking ratios in New South Wales public hospitals for over a decade and in residential aged care for even longer, but suburban governments refuse to listen. Now we don't even feel like celebrating our own professional day.
0: Yeah, this is something I think we reported on a bit before the the with the nurses uh, organizing for ratios, um, and it's a pretty it's a pretty like big. I don't know. It's it's a pretty horrible thing. Um, it's more it's much brings out much more emotions than a lot of other things because nurses like they literally do the work of stopping people from dying and yet even they're not taken care of in our society Like they're given the bare minimum as little as they can and they just like everyone else they need to organise together to fight for um, like the, <laughs> the, the things they need to live
1: this is an insulting pay rise especially after the or during because it's still going the COVID-19 pandemic mm, this is a national yeah, crisis is. and a lot of Uh, what we've got we owe to the nurses and all essential workers so this is a spit in the face I would say
0: yeah so and like they said it's they they don't even want to celebrate their own professional day because they feel so devalued and that's yeah to be hard you know and Right now, in the studio, we have Marge Pistorius from the Destructible Land Forces Campaign.
3: Margie, so I'm Margie.
0: Margie, yes. Hi. Um, so, we are going to, yeah, be talking about what you're doing. Um, so, maybe for our listeners at home, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Yeah, well, I'm from a little organisation called Wage Peace, and we uh, oppose all things military. Um, and the militarisation of Australia, starting with the frontier wars, of course. We uh, acknowledge that this country started with the militarisation of the ports and the islands and then the lands as the British moved in and uh, waged war all through the 1800s against tribe after tribe after tribe of Aboriginal people. And we think that this is one of the reasons and the silence about that is one of the reasons why... um, People can't really think that well about militarism, even though it affects all of us. And um, there are workers today still suffering because of the wars that have been held before and the families coming back from war, uh, the, the overseas wars that they were sent on. Um, and of course, families suffering here Aboriginal people who suffered under the wars of the colonies. So, yeah, we're wage peace, and that's what we do. And right now, we're trying to stop this um, weapons industry event that's happening. So, yeah, what's land forces? What's happening with that? Land forces are massive. A weapons industry event for army sort of equipment and police equipment, so land equipment. And uh, there'll be about 300 arms dealers gathering in South Brisbane, in my neighbourhood. I live in South Brisbane, and they're going to be gathering in my neighbourhood to sell massive weapons like missiles, uh, tanks, uh, helicopters, attack helicopters that just are built to kill people. That's all they're built for. Boeing, Boeing builds a whole suite of aircraft, including attack helicopters. Who are they selling them to? Well, a funny thing is, they're selling, well, they'll sell them wherever they can, but right now they're setting up the industry. They're spending about 30 billion a year. That's 30 billion not being sent on health or education or community development. It's 30 billion being sent on setting up the weapons industry. Um, And so they're all there trying to get a cut of this 30 billion and work out new arrangements. They're very cooperative business. It's not a, it's not a, um, competitive business, like they're all in it together to try and figure out what partnerships they can make to get money out of the government and, um, but they do sell you know, there'll be a company there called Elbert that sells, uh, that's an Israeli company sells and uses its weapons in Palestine, they'll be using those weapons right now in Palestine. There are companies there that are using their weapons right now, like Boeing, using its weapons right now in uh, West Papua uh, they're strofing Boeing helicopters, are strafing villages. This week they just killed three young people in the last week Week who were in a uh, um, sheltering in a church? The church got strafed by um, helicopter fire, and the people were killed. So we've got this um, rollout, and the interest here is the interest of these um, these companies: Reliant, Metal, Boeing. Elbert, their interest is to keep war going is to keep conflicts going to keep the violence going because then they sell more weapons and that's what this is about selling more weapons so these people are
1: directly profiting off the horrors happening in Palestine and Waspupara at the
3: moment yeah definitely they well they, and they're looking to enter into the trade right so this is a this is a a, a conference of about 300 small to medium and large Um, corporations, little companies and they're all trying to get a bite at this sort of killing cherry alright, I know that's not a very good metaphor a killing cherry, but that's what it's like this huge amount of money being pumped in, like a fire hose of money being pumped into this industry, so that they can then sell out to Indonesia sell to Philippines all these places that have workers struggles, um, and you know we see the workers on the street in Myanmar being shot by weapons, we see the workers on the street in Indonesia being shot by weapons, this is what these weapons are for, they ultimately come for us, the workers trying to resist whatever whatever injustices we're seeing around us. And in West Papua, it's just ordinary First Nations people who are trying to resist the deforestation of their land, and they're being shunted out right now, just like First Nations Australians were 100 and 150 years ago, shunted off their land um, and shoved out and becoming refugees in their own country.
1: Meanwhile, these corporations are profiting off of it, and these corporations will be in South Brisbane, very soon
3: there will be, and we, you know, we see these these corporations set up around Brisbane in the last few years. They've been setting up with this, with Queensland government money. The Queensland government's paid, I reckon, up to a billion dollars to set these companies up and give money. Um, some of that money obviously comes from the feds and then comes out through the Queensland government, but it's also our money, and they're basically they're just. Um, they give money for research. They give money for in, um, infrastructure for buildings. So Ryan Mittal out at Red Bank, Boeing out at Alderley and in the city. We've got um, Naya out at Pinkambar and Talas out at Pinkama. They're all building weapons for the Indonesian export market, for the Philippine export market, for the Burma export market. For the, if they can, they'd sell to Israel as well. So it sounds like we can't allow this to happen. We're looking to disrupt it severely, Calypso, I reckon. We've got, um, we've got a whole bunch of people coming up from Melbourne. We've got people coming up from Sydney. We've got a whole lot of West Papuans coming. You know, Come down, meet the West Papuans, listen to their stories. They'll tell you what's going on in their country because it's happening to their families. Um, and you can come down. We've got, like, uh, Friday night's going to be a sacred fire where we um, send smoke signals up there. This is an idea of a a local um, indigenous person to send these alarm signals to West Papua and have the signals sent back from west papua. we're going to um we're going to look at seeing what we can do to disrupt the weapons industry. It starts on Tuesday, but they start loading stuff in on Saturday. So we have a lot of opportunities to disrupt. Um, And we want people to come down, have fun. We've got some really good theatrical ideas. You know, direct action doesn't have to be just all, it can be like really fun and interesting. We've got some peace trolls. We've got um, a whole lot of stuff happening. We've got concert on Saturday night so you can get connected. Uh, We'll look after you. We'll teach you how to do actions. Um, And then Tuesday morning is a mass rally being organised by Shutdown Land Forces, our partner group. Um, Tuesday morning at seven o'clock they'll be gathering for the first breakfast. They'll probably be the, might be the um, the defence minister, who knows, Um, but definitely a Queensland government. The Queensland government are the main sponsors of this weapons festival.
1: So the Queensland government is sponsoring this. How do they stand to benefit from it?
3: Well, I reckon there's always this thing between the state and the feds where they're trying to get money out of the feds, right? So they position themselves wherever the feds are pushing out the money. So at the moment, the feds are pushing out 30 billion a year. So the state's always looking for a bit of a piece of that pie, right? And so, um, But also you find individuals like Cameron Dick with that Uh, You know, I'd have to say I wasn't completely sure about this, but this is one of the things that generally happens is people like that um, build personal relationships with these companies and then they then later on, who knows, they might, for example, perhaps become... um, uh, you know, able to work in those companies. We call this the revolving door. So somebody like him who's been doing infrastructure projects for a very long time may be also positioning himself. I'm not saying he is, of course, but he may be positioning himself for a job down the track because this is what we see happen from Canberra over and over and over. These politicians just positioning themselves. Just
1: looking out for how they can make the most profit even in an industry like this. Uh, industry of killing.
3: Individuals. They, and they, they shift themselves into to These positions, and then um, they set things up for, so for their own personal benefit. I'm not saying anybody particular is doing that, but that has been happening in Canberra, and there's a lot of articles written about that.
0: Uh, right, so. How can workers get involved in this?
3: Well, you know, we are just ordinary people, a whole bunch of workers. We're going to be down there at the, at the fire at Yagura Hall on the Friday night. That's the best place to come, meet people, hang out on that Friday night, see what's going on. Saturday, we're having a day of workshops, uh, you know, different ways, which will be a way of ke- connecting in and finding ways to get so involved. So that's Saturday at Yagara Hall? Yeah, the 29th of May. Um, then we're do- going to be doing some actions. There'll be an action on Sunday that you can immediately join in on. Um,
1: Anyone? So, do they have to have any previous experience? No
3: previous experience. This is a chance to come in at whatever level you want to. There'll be all different sort of types of actions. Different people. We have a kids' action. Bring the kids. We want to, we want the kids to speak out about um, the you know the way the military are taking over schools, taking over that um, the whole science and engineering curriculum in schools. We want kids down there. We want um, we want people down there on the Tuesday morning. Then there'll be actions on the Monday, stopping things coming in. In and out and on Tuesday morning we want things uh, we want people in so roving actions and then disrupt Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we've got three themed days Tuesday is First Nations orientation orientation to people affected by war and militarism refugees second day is climate climate action climate um, is driven by extraction climate the climate crisis is driven by militarism and militarism enforces extraction we don't have the climate crisis without militarism and third day is um uh, uh toxic masculinity and smash the patriarchy uh you know towards a yeah. rainbow future
0: yeah with that um education thing that's something i've uh, actually seen myself when i was starting my degree of it at griffith uh uh, they had this like little uh, conference thing where all the industry leaders would talk to us. And like one of the big things they had was a uh, someone from the military. Um, no, it was from someone from Raytheon. Uh, they came and talked, to, uh, talked to us like about how IT is necessary for military and stuff. And um, well, it was an online thing, so I just shut down my computer and that started cause it was because it was just disgusting.
3: Yep, they're all over the they all over the universities. They've got partnerships and research. Want you to develop
1: new drones that they can use to kill people and destroy villages.
3: Totally, totally. They are not. And you talk to anybody in the aviation industry now, young people going into the aviation, and they are they are aware of this. That their only choice is to move into military. That's disgusting. Oh, I know. I know, but they don't have any choice. It's become so narrow and there's so much money in that area. It's drawing people like a honeypot, you know, like um, that people, that's where the money's flowing.
1: And since the money's flowing this way, that just encourages people to continue war if they want to make their profit, absolutely. So there's going to be a big price
3: to pay and that price is going to be human lives. Totally. And also we're setting up our neighbourhoods and we're setting up our industries around this industry, right, as if it's going to be an industry for the next 40 years like so they're not thinking oh how can we act with diplomacy and peace and settle things down in our region they're thinking how can we rile things up and get you know get as much um uh war making and conflict or the the sense of conflict so people will go along with this right but there's no there's no security in weapons and in fact there's actually not that much security problems in the region except where they're going after first nations people
0: yeah, this is something we talked about uh, earlier in the show with how private prisons encourage the government to uh, increase the amount of people getting imprisoned, and in this case, it was like children getting imprisoned.
3: Totally, um, they have a total interest, right, in in drawing people into those industries, and what we what we know is that the military, the the prison. Industry will be at this conference, and the police as well as industry. the police. Yes, yeah. yep. They'll be looking at weapons. They'll be looking at handguns. They'll be looking at different types of um, uh, kit that they use um, to control and um, and and keep people um, contained and subdued. Yep. So
1: we won't just have. Uh an expo of how genocide's being carried out overseas. will also have the cops there, which is the
3: genocide happening at home. They're coming for us. Okay, this this is not about um, wars in the Middle East or something. These weapons will be used on us. You see them being used in Myanmar. You see them being used this week in Colombia. You see them being used in West Papua. We see them daily if you just open your eyes and you can see that they are looking to position themselves to make a killing.
2: I think a few... Uh, police services on this continent and have already been approved to use automatic weapons.
3: Automatic weapons? Yeah. The Canberra Canberra Mm. airport. But it's all a beat up like like it's total beat up. They beat up this sort of security issue to justify the buying of more kit and buying more weapons.
1: When you think about who those automatic weapons are going to be used on.
3: Most marginalized people.
1: That's gonna cost lives. This is disgusting and the the hypocrisy that the the you know, Australian government likes to say they're all about diplomacy and like to say that they're about democracy and freedom, but they're here we can see them actively participating and actively profiting off of totally. murder and displacement.
3: Totally. And we've got we've got um a set of uh, you know, a little memorial we set up to West Papuans. There's been twelve people you know, at least and dozens killed, but the, we we can follow twelve just on Facebook. You know, um, and pictures of people we have when they were alive, and just remind reminding people these are ordinary people, workers going about their daily business. The military come into their village, shoot somebody dead to terrorize everybody. You know, these are acts of war, um, and they're acts of terror. They're against human rights. I don't know how you want to explain it, but these are um, acts of the state against ordinary workers. And when when they they tell people if you organise, this is what will happen. And we want people to come down, join us, because it's a festival of resistance and we need people just getting together, thinking about these issues and then figuring out what you're going to do. You don't need to know a lot about it right now. You're, by the end of the week, you'll understand well, how it fits everyone. together. Well, this affects everyone. It affects everybody. It affects every movement. Militarism is cuts across all the movements because when we resist, they use militarism against us.
0: I appreciate like the um, the moves made to humanize the people who have died in uh, as a result of like the weapons industry or war in, in general uh, because like if, if anyone's been listening to the news over the past week we hear all these numbers like 60 people mm-hmm. died in palestine
3: mm-hmm. uh
0: there's like hundreds and like so many numbers of people dying but each one of these like is a whole person and mm-hmm. each one of those is a inexcusable loss to the world uh which is um and it's like hard to wrap your head, head around that like it's not only like one is already terrible and inexcusable, and it should be stopped, but it's happening hundreds, hundreds of people, Mm. and it's
3: awful, and what we see in West Papua, we see the use of these killings to terrorise whole villages, right? And so now we have whole villages on the move, like you know what would have been happening here in the eighteen fifties and eighteen sixties, where you terrorise one group of Aboriginal people, and then the rest of the tribe has to move, has to start moving somewhere else where it's going to be safe. And this is what you see in West Papua at the moment: thousands of people on the move down from the um, from the. Tribal lands, away from their tribal lands. Moving
1: through jungle and harsh terrain.
3: Yeah, because they're because their their villages are being strafed and they're um you know they've got these terrorizing killings. They only need to make a few killings for people to start to move because it becomes so unsafe. And people want to care for their children, keep their children safe, and they start to move. And it's very I imagine it's quite a
1: dangerous journey as well as they try to look for somewhere safe
3: and food. They have to make food along. They're burning their gardens. They're poisoning and burning their gardens. It's classic sort of disgusting sort of warfare going on in Indonesia. And our, there's in this town, in Brisbane, that are selling weapons to Indonesia in order to use them in these places.
1: Like what you were saying, Jackson, I think these corporations, they want us to see them as numbers. Mm-hmm. They want us to see them as a, a, a statistic or just some kind of, mm. like, score in a video game. Or oh,
0: they'd rather just us not see them at all. Yeah. They're our
3: friends. They're actually our friends. You know, we actually have relationships with people who have relationships with these people who die. You know, it's not hard now to have these relationships, and mm. these are people we know.
1: Now, Margie, what I want to know is what is the the structure and the relationships between uh, the government and the corporations, and where is the money going? Who's profiting from this?
3: Yeah, it's really interesting what they're doing, and um, basically, what they've done is they've br- brought in eight big companies—the the four American big companies and four. Um, Uh, European companies, and then they've got a few other big companies around that as well, maybe another four. So companies like um, Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and then they've got these, um, and then some European companies like Saab and uh, Rheinmetall um, and so they've got these, these big companies and what they're doing is they're paying, they, they pay the big companies in massive contracts and they give them some special privileges and a lot of encouragement and um, um, benefits, friends with benefits. They get huge amounts of like um, facilitation money.
1: So these contracts, they're contracts for the weapon companies to supply uh, the Australian military?
3: What they... Yeah, yeah the con- they, get, they get paid sort of in these tenders for um, big contracts for the Australian military, yep. But what they're told to do is that they have to develop an Australian industry. So they're out there building relationships, partnerships... Um, with what they call small to medium enterprises so that might be a small engineering company in the burbs or a steel company down in Wollongong or a, um, a tire factory out in uh, Red Bank or whatever you know so they build these relationships and what they're supposed to be doing is teaching it's like a massive TAFE project like a really well-funded TAFE project they're supposed to be be assisting these uh, and making partnerships with these small um, uh, to medium sized, Uh, engineering outfits. To bring the industry over here. Uh, Yeah, to bring the industry over here. And they they have like four false justifications for this that they say in every um, media release. What are those? Uh, The first one is security. Oh, it's very dangerous out there and we have to build a a defence system for everybody because something terrible is going to happen. So it's the first false justification. The second false justification is jobs, as if people couldn't have jobs in some other... Education. Industry. <laughs> I know. Oh, Education.
0: There's, 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 there's <laughs> a to is a big one.
3: Health <laughs> <laughs> Those, there's three. Heaps of um, things. Heaps, heaps of, of better
1: bad- uses <laughs> of your time
3: what that I can think of. What about just being in bands? You know, that would be nice just to pay a lot of people to be in bands, right? Mm. And, you know, have a good time. Um, so the third one, uh, false justification is capabilities, which I actually think is probably the most sensible one really out of all of them, but don't tell anybody I'd said that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because Australians I, I hate can't do I to tell this, Margie,
1: but we are on air.
3: <laughs> Oh, oh, no. So, capabilities, the idea is that you're building Australians' um, capacity, engineering capacity up, right, so that people, Australians can start building things again because we completely lost our ability to manufacture stuff. be
1: cool if we put all of that engineering energy towards maybe green energy and right. uh, a way to combat climate change instead of a way to wage war and kill people. That would
3: because the one thing about this industry is it's completely pointless and they make a whole lot of completely pointless rubbish, um, if you know what I mean. Like they make they, what at the moment there's a tender out for 450 infantry fighting vehicles. What are they going to use those for, right? And that's on top of their 1200 Bushmaster shifting people around fighting vehicles. You know, like they've just got, they and they park them in paddocks around Australia and they just build them, leave them there and then they build workforces around making these things that don't actually do anything. So the fourth False justification is what they call exports. So the idea is that they um, start to export into these other third world c- countries, into the into the, into the global majority, right? Um, or wherever they can get deals, maybe even to the U.S., maybe to to Netherlands. So they they might make a doorknob in 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 Ipswich, a special doorknob for a very special tank or something, and then they want to also sell that doorknob to um, the Rhine Metal Factory in Indonesia, where they're making the rest of the tank but for some reason they're not able to make the doorknobs so they'll buy the doorknobs from australia and that becomes a defense export right but they're not all benign like doorknobs they're also making things like um swively uh killing camera target systems um, um that can enable. Yikes. yep can and they're wanting to put those on drones so they're also making weaponized drones here in murray just over the roads from News Corp, they're making...
1: Drones uh, that will kill people, yeah, drones, that drones that will that bomb villages. Yeah,
3: they're, they're designing weaponised drones right there in Murray in a little engineering unit. They got half a million dollars from the government just to do that, just to muck around with figuring out how to kill people from a drone. So we've got these 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 partnerships. Um, so the money... So a lot of this conference is about, ooh, what partnerships can we make and how can we get... a. You know, a big chunk of the money. There's so much money they don't know what to do with it, basically, and they're just making stuff that nobody needs. Piles and piles of stuff that nobody needs. Except, you've got to keep remembering: a small portion of it goes to countries to kill people and to and to control um, the workers' movements. Right? The workers' movements. And so these the First weapons Nations. will be used on us. Some of them, a small portion. A lot of them just get get they're just like boys with the toys right mm, so they have kind of they, they just get put in a warehouse and people keep maintaining them and people have going exercises and it's all just like massive like live action video games for guys in the army right that's a lot of it just it's a huge amount of
2: stuff out yeah, of debing, we watch those fighter jets and those big transport carriers they fly over multiple times a day like yeah. It's and th- billions and
3: billions of dollars. Just Can't they just get, like, a PS4? Chemicals into the air. <laughs> yeah, and no, those flights, they cost, like, $2,000 an hour. Or, you know, I don't know. No, It's a lot more than that, actually. It's, like, $100,000 an hour to keep those jets in the air, you know? So every time they get them out, you have to pay for the, for the people looking after them, the people flying them, the fuel. It's not like it's just your car and you stick it in the back, you know, and go out.
1: I can think of a million better ways to spend that money.
3: If only you were running... The government Calypso. If
0: only the workers were running. The
3: if workers. only the government workers were running the government. Absolutely. That's so that's why this is our job. Our job is to is to stick a spanner in the works. Absolutely. Where the, where, 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 we're 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 going to spoke stick a spanner in the in the um spoke in the wheels, and we want to disrupt and we're looking at bringing people down to disrupt it right so that means getting down there and we've got some creative ideas that you'll be able to do from wherever you are um, we want to get near what where the people are coming in we want to um, you know we want to do whatever we can figure out we need to build our imaginations in this space and so even if you can't think of something now come down and we'll introduce you to somebody who can think about it and we'll take your hand and we'll do stuff together um, some things um, you know there's all different sorts of levels in protest and if you're just a beginner it'll be a space for you and if you've done stuff before there'll be a space for you but also come down to the sacred fire on the friday night that's a good place to meet people come down to the um the 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 workshops on the saturday where we we can um uh teach you stuff and hook you in with people because we really need more people to know what's going on here it's been hard for people to look at and i think that's connected to this um inability for Australians to look squarely at the frontier wars, right? It means we, d- we don't look squarely at any wars. We look at wars with deluded eyes, or we don't look at all. And so we need people who'll come down. Part of coming down is um, acknowledging the uh, military history of this land and how the military came up the river in Brisbane, Oxley and those um, the milit- the British military they came into this river and we have to acknowledge those stories and hear those stories from the local people so um, we'll start with that storytelling of the military history of this land and then we'll look at where it's got to now, that's how it started this is where it's got to now, where they're now um, building uh, uh weapons to go and kill other First Nations people.
1: So with the end goal of having these uh, this corporate industry this weapons industry abolished uh, what's the what's the strategy for attacking
3: that? Well, we, at the moment we're trying to bring more minds, more people thinking about it. We're going to use Indonesia as our sort of case study, our story for storytelling, because we've also got another campaign going on there, Make West Papua West Safe. It's pretty close to home. They're it's right next door. It's our neighbours and we, we've got, it's the biggest non-violence movement in the region, apart from those um, uh, democracy movements, but it's the biggest ongoing non-violence movement. There's enormous numbers of people involved. There's enormous organised resistance there and if people are not watching, go and look it up on sites because um, the the non-violent resistance is just so um, courageous and... and
1: Absolutely, especially when you consider the weapons they're going up against. They're going up against these giant death robots and what have they got? They've just got people power.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we talk a bit about the violent resistance going on there here on the show but we have not given much voice to the non-violence and I guess that's something that we'll have to look at more in the future.
3: Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, The courage and the organising there is just fantastic. And those people are our friends. And we want to hold them up to the light. And, um, you know, there are ordinary people organising in their their workers and um, villages and people organising in their towns and cities. And they're doing amazing work. Um, So so in terms of strategy, what we're looking to do is help them build their movement, um, amplify that. Um, we're also trying to stop Australians, uh, Australia, where Australians are supporting the Indonesian militarisation of their land. So those are things are uh, they are training the police, the AFP, um, yes. are training the, um, the the killers, the D eighty eight, which is the sort of worst unit in the police, uh, like a secret police service, and Australians are training those people and those people are committing murders. So we want to stop the AFP training people. We want to stop weapons going in there and they're coming out of our suburbs. Um, we want to stop those weapons coming out of our suburbs. So this is our strategy um, to, to pivot, to look at using West Papua as a sort of a, as a case study. Um, and these same companies are also in of course Yemen and Turkey you know and um, uh uh, Palestine. So um but these are our neighbours and these are we're we're building a campaign around that and so that's our strategy. But we have to choose one or two or three um particular uh, companies to go after, um, mm. and then once we've decided which ones got the most, you know, the most wiggle, then we'll, we'll we're doing that. And so what we've been doing this year is has been going to all the companies in Brisbane um, and running small actions um, and to see see what what's there, what happens, how they respond, and um, we we'll learn a lot about um, what's going on as part of that as well. So join us, join us at the Festival of Resistance. Come down on the Friday night, the twenty eighth. Um, and then make sure that you're there on the first, on the Tuesday as well. But there's, it's a six days of action.
0: All right. So we're going to move on to closing up the show, but is there anything you want to say before we move on?
3: Well, we're looking forward to seeing you all. It's going to be fantastic. And, you know, check out our, video, check out our videos on, on Instagram, uh, disruptlandforces.org, disruptlandforces on Instagram, uh, PCU. Check out our cr- fantastic um, um, festival videos and that'll make you want to come.
0: Thank you very much, Uh, and we are going to talk about something that you've definitely heard about. It's been in the news all week and a bit longer than that. Um, But when it has been reported on, and we're talking about Palestine and Israel, uh, it's always a story of Palestine just getting stomped by Israel or about vilifying any sort of fighting back that the Palestinians do. Uh, So we're going to talk a bit about the fighting back that they're doing, but um, in a good way. (laughs) So I got this story from Abolition Media Worldwide. As the struggle intensifies, reports from Palestinians indicate that resistance has increased intensity against incursions by the Israeli state. So far, 1,750 rockets have been fired at Israel to stop its genocidal intentions. On May 13th, resistance forces fired 100 missiles missiles at Ashkelon in occupied Palestine. Resistance fired missiles at occupied Lod after lynch mobs targeted Palestinians in the area. Missiles were fired by Palestinian groups in Lebanon, hitting Upper Galilee in occupied Palestine. Missiles were used today to target Ramon Airport. Uh, By today, this story is from the 14th of May, 220 kilometers away from Gaza. The Qassam Bridge unveiled its drone arsenal today. The suicide drone was used as a gas platform off the coast of Gaza. Resistance spokesman said, "'Mobilize all your troops from the land, air, and sea. We've prepared for you multiple forms of death that will make you curse yourself." He also said, "'What makes this battle special is the union of all Palestinians everywhere and their consensus on deciding to resist. Israel has built up forces along the Gaza border, raising speculation of a ground invasion. Groups of Palestinians arrived in Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood to help defend their comrades. On May 13th, two Israeli police cars were burned in Kafir Qasim. This is the site where Israeli police killed 49 Palestinians on October 29th, 1956. The latest news to arrive today uh, on May 14th, Israel has killed seven in West Bank and injured more than 150. Warplanes and drones are currently dropping bombs in Gaza. 160 warplanes participated in the bombing of the 340 square kilometre area. Tanks are firing overnight and continue shelling the Sofa area northeast Rafah. Israel has destroyed 500 houses since the start of its recent genocidal attacks. A new wave of rocket attacks were launched on Ashkelon and Be'er thousands of jordanians marched to the border to challenge the israeli occupation army while thousands of others demonstrated in the capital in the village of bidu palestinians clashed with occupying forces so yeah that's a bit of news from palestine there it is kind of heavy there's a lot of violence and stuff going on and it's yeah uh, and then but most importantly there's a lot of resistance and that's something that we should focus on that in the face of all the violence and genocide that israel is doing the palestinians are fighting back there's I another th-
2: interesting story here about is uh, well the palestine israel conflict is it doesn't always have to be violent you can also have non-violent ways like the italian dock workers refused to load arms bound for israel after s- discovering a shipment of arms destined for Israel was arriving in Italy's ports, workers organised in one of I- Italy's major unions I cannot pronounce that The Union
0: <laughs> Syndicale de Bassi.
2: and other workers' organisations refused to load the ship in support of the Palestinians' fight for their lives against the Israeli occupation
0: Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's, really, uh, that's a really good story it's, uh, it h- highlights um, the importance of labour in the Thailand. anti-war movement mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that like labor has a big history in, which we've talked about in our previous episode um if you want if you want to go check that out, um, we've actually got two episodes on the labor movement in anti-war struggles um, but yeah, this is really great work from the Italian Dock workers and hopefully something that can be um, recreated around the world. Um, I'm looking at you I'm <laughs> Um, cool now we're going to talk about some events that are coming up uh most relevant to what we were just talking about is the join justice for palestine uh which we've t- talked about at the start of the episode it's at 10 a.m on saturday 22nd of may at radical place um then there is the of course the disrupt land forces campaign which we just spent the entire episode talking about uh it's on coming up on the tw- the first thing is on the 28th of May and it's going through to June 1st June 3rd, June 3rd uh, so check out the Disrupt Land Forces page for more information on that um, other events are the School Strike for Climate
1: this Friday at 1pm King George Square
0: yeah um, and we've got the Healing Country Corroboree 4pm uh, on Saturday 22nd at Diebing Creek, the Truth and Healing Circle at 9:30 a.m. on Sunday, 23rd at Theban Creek, and from the Brisbane Labor History Association, we've got the Alex Macdonald Memorial Lecture on 6 p.m. Wednesday, 26th of May at QCU Building 16, Pill Street. Uh, so that's the BLHA presenting. Let's make unions and history every day. Uh, And now, before we close off the show, let's go to our Scallywag of the Week. Do you want to read it out? Mickey
1: D's? So, the Scallywag of the Week uh, this week is McDonald's. McDonald's announced that it will raise the minimum wage of its company-owned restaurants. Together with our franchises, we face a challenge hiring environment and... Staying ahead means we must constantly renew our commitment to offer one of the leading employment packages in the industry, Joe Ellinger, McDonald's USA president, declared. This applies to company-owned stores, not franchise stores, which is the vast majority. It appears more and more likely that McDonald's modest pay measures are an attempt to grab attention back from the Fight for $15 campaign. The organisers aren't having it, though. Now they're raising pay for some of us and using fancy math tricks to gloss over the fact that they're selling most of us short, said McDonald's worker Denisha Babbitt. The strike is still set to occur. For this week, Joe Ellinger, president of McDonald's, earns our Scallywag of the Week.
0: Grub. Yeah. McDonald's has always been very grubby and they win our scallywag of the Week and now that actually went a lot quicker than I thought it would. Um, so let's go to a song to take us out. Um, thank you very much, Margie, for that interview. And we are going to Brisbane Lines. So if you want to hear the news from 4ZZZ, uh, stay tuned. And see you next Tuesday. You that
4: I would follow you. About your heels, the leash you hold and pulls me through. I wanted to be free to make friends as I choose. They don't know anything about the things you do. Cause I don't want to do with your temperament, but I don't. Appreciate your passive-aggressive nature. I don't want to run away, but I, I won't be treated like your dog. So shut up. up. I don't mind. I do Take control of how I want to live I thought that you would be the one to understand You're letting jealousy take over and make its own plan So don't condone change That's